0: Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. It's been a nice fall of birding for me, although it feels like I've missed much of the late fall excitement here in Tacoma, as I've been out of town a lot. Over the last couple of weeks, i visited with my two children for a few days, and then, right after I got home, I spent a week with Marion in Chelan at a timeshare she has there. While I was gone, many of the fall targets for Pierce County, Lister's, came through the area. An adult male snow bunting was found at Dune Peninsula near Point Defiance Park, and ancient murrelets and a herman's gull have been seen there also. As soon as I got home, I got out with Bruce Labar, a good birding buddy, on my first day back and managed to find some of the ancient murrelets. And we also uh, got out to a nearby place and found my first lesser goldfinch of the year in the, in the county. Uh, but the Hermans has eluded me so far. I did take a couple of days away from Chelan while I was out there to wrap up a multi-year goal for me of trying to get 100 species in each of the 39 Washington counties by getting up to Ferry County, the last county, to get to that goal for me. It was a terrific two days, made even better by help from a local birder. This is a great example of how birders tend to really go out of their way to be helpful. I've met Donna Bragg. A birder from that area. I think maybe just once in the field on a winter trip uh, years ago. But I really wanted to know if the fresh water uh, at the north end of the of uh, Curlew Lake at the Rail Trail wetland uh, was frozen over or if it was still open because waterfowl was some of the birds I didn't have in the state since I hadn't really birded in the fall or winter there. I didn't have contact information for her, but I Googled her name and found a phone number. Tried to text it, but found out it was a landline. So I called her hus- called her house, and her husband, Tom, answered. He explained that he, he really isn't that much of a birder, but he does enjoy getting out. But Debbie is a real birder in the family, and she was away on a birding trip out of town. Not to fear, though, Tom went above and beyond. He texted his wife and later talked with her and... and she uh, she told him that she really didn't know. She hadn't been up to that area recently, but she did know a local birder. So she contacted him, found out the water was open, and Tom called me back with that information. Cool how birders help each other out. Knowing that, I was pretty confident heading north. I got up to Ferry County, kind of circled the whole county, and, and uh, managed to get uh, 24 species there for the for the trip. Uh, 24 new species for the county for me. I had 89 species before the trip, and adding 24 got me well above my goal of 100, and that was the last of the 39 Washington counties for me. So I'm pretty happy that I'm 39 times 100, feeling good about that. Uh, and on the trip, some really cool areas. The Swahila Basin was the last area I went to before I headed home. It was uh, late in the afternoon, and I, and I got uh, a whole covey of California quail, which were good for the county for me. And just before I left, a golden eagle, an immature golden eagle, was soaring over the canyon there. And it was just kind of a perfect wrap-up to a great trip. My guest on this episode, though, is Rachel Hudson. Rachel is a young birder from Lewis County, Washington, and is someone I've met several times in the field. She's always seemed to be both very talented and kind of an interesting person, so I've been hoping to get her on the the show. Uh, I usually try to do enough online research on my guests to pretty much know what to expect for likely topics and what comes up, but... I looked and looked, and Rachel keeps a low online profile, kind of unusual for a young person these days. Uh, So it was really fun to feel like I was learning new things as we talked. I hope she seems as interesting to listen to as she was to talk with. Help me welcome Rachel Hudson to the Bird Painter Podcast, episode number 165. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. How are you today?
1: I am wonderful. How are you?
0: Good, good. I we're on uh, people don't know. I do these on Zoom, and we're on a video call. So I see Rachel all in her. She's got a fancy getup with a microphone and a, a, a spit shield or whatever you know, the little sound shield in front of the microphone and earphones on, and looking very professional. And she said that she uh, you do some streaming. What what streaming do you do? What what's that all about?
1: I don't as much right now. I'd like to get back into it, but I have to redo my full setup. But uh, when I was streaming in the past several years, I do photo editing of the bird pictures that I take. Oh. And I just share my process online with everybody.
0: Wow, that's cool. Uh, I should, uh, are those on YouTube or something? Can you go back and look at those or are they just live?
1: Uh, they're usually just live on the streaming platform Twitch. Oh, and- okay. Okay. Yeah, so usually usually it's photo processing. Sometimes if I don't have any photos to process, I'll do uh, bird art instead.
0: Okay. It's just a relaxing place. I sort (laughs) of knew that you were an artist, but what kind of bird art do you do?
1: Uh, I like to do uh, as realistic as possible. Um, Just from my pictures that I take, I'll get some for references and try and recreate the birds in their natural poses. Just uh, digital art with a... uh, uh, tablet and pen and
0: everything, so very cool, Wow, I am learning you know I one of the things I most like about this podcast is I meet new people and I learn cool things. I'm learning cool things about Rachel Hudson today. things I didn't expect that because you are you are not the most public person online. Usually, I do uh, some research before the episode and try to learn well, oh, what should I talk about what'll be and I'm like. Oh, I can't find you anywhere. You're just like a little, uh, you know, young people these days. So usually it's pretty easy to find these sometimes. Uh, but you're, you're very good at hiding that from people.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm uh, very much an introvert and pretty shy normally. But if you get to talking to me, I will talk for hours and hours about everything. So we'll, we'll just keep it to
0: an hour or so today, maybe <laughs> not hours and hours. But uh, it sounds like we're going to have a good conversation. I'm excited about that. Uh, I saw on your eBird profile, you moved here, uh, moved here to Washington from Texas, so oh, 15, 14, 15 years ago. Tell me about your early life and how you get into birding and all of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I grew up in northeast Texas by up in the corner by Arkansas and Louisiana, uh, out in the Piney Woods region. And as far as birding goes, I tell everybody I've been a birder since I was a baby. Birds were the very first thing I was attracted to. And my parents really supported me in that. And they gave me like bird books and guidebooks and encyclopedias and all kinds of things I could read by age three. So I was identifying birds very quickly in my life. And yeah, I started really birding when I was a kid, growing up out in the middle of nowhere in Texas.
0: You are a self-starter in that regard, uh, from the almost from the cradle. That is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how did that progress? You uh, met other birders? Did you bird on your own in Texas? And, and how old were you when you moved here?
1: I moved to Washington two days after I graduated from high school in 2009. Okay. <laughs> um, I at that point in my life, I hated Texas and everything that had anything to do with Texas, and I wanted to move at least three states away from it. Uh, but prior to that, like my early childhood was fantastic in Texas. I did not know any other birders though, and it was all just on my own. My parents just kind of let me go outside every day. We had miles. And miles of forest all around us that i would go and explore and so getting to be out in the forest every day as a kid and make my own discoveries about nature and wildlife and all the birds because it was such a rich landscape of everything i found you know the nests of, of green herons as they were right next to the pond where i would go and talk to the fish every day and Uh, I would watch the crows going into their roost at night and the hawks circling overhead. So it was just the most amazing experience growing up in Texas and just being out in the wilderness every day and learning just on my own about everything that I could find.
0: Sounds very cool. And then something happened to make you want to get out of Texas. We won't probably go there. That's okay. <laughs> uh, but you uh, did you have? Uh, were you in the local Audubon Society did you, even in high school? Did you meet some birders, or is that more after you got to Washington?
1: Yeah, all that was mostly after I got to Washington. I did um, join National Audubon. I don't know how old I was, honestly, because they they send out newsletters to everybody and we were already subscribed to several nature magazines. So they got our address pretty quickly. So I'm like, cool, that sounds neat. So I signed up. My mom probably signed me up for me when I was, I don't know, 12, maybe. Um, sure. So I got national Audubon stuff throughout my later childhood.
0: OK, and then you moved to Washington, uh, which, you know, Lewis County, you live in Lewis County I, or somewhere near there. You bird a lot in Lewis County, I know. Uh, and uh and then continued birding there did you uh, meet birders once you got here
1: uh yeah uh after i moved here in 2009 that was for college primarily um and when i first came here people knew that i liked birds like my family that i moved with up here had a bird feeder out back and so then i got to See my first washington birds because i'd been here a few times as a baby and hadn't remembered any of it so now i was seeing new things for the first time i loved it i came in through yakima at first and got to see my first magpies which was just glorious quail and pheasants all displaying in the mornings it was beautiful came here to the bird feeders in our backyard and saw my first black-headed gross beak and couldn't believe my eyes (laughs) and Oh, it was amazing. And from there, I started meeting more friends and more people who showed me different birding locations. And it was just a complete turnaround from Texas because everybody's so into nature up here. It's incredible. So yeah, that was when I started really making more connections.
0: Very cool. I think I first met you. I I think you were with uh, Dalton Spencer. Yes. Uh, Somewhere in the field. I don't know. And did you bird with uh, Dalton quite a bit?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really cool because Lewis County has so few birders. In it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so as soon as I discovered that he existed, it was amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh, another young person who loves birds and lives in Lewis County. So Very he's cool. he's awesome. He's a great friend.
0: Yeah, he he is a really cool uh, cool kid. I uh, I got to bird with him a few times, and really talented. Mm-hmm. really talented. So what about birding now? Most excites you. What What do you really enjoy about birding? I
1: most enjoy getting to watch a bird long enough to understand more about it, learn its mannerisms and behaviors and how it responds to various things. Like seeing a new species is always cool. I will definitely go out for a life bird at the drop of a hat if it's within a day's drive. Um, but what I like most is definitely getting to know the bird themselves. Like getting to watch like specific behaviors you wouldn't see unless you spent some time with them like hermit thrushes foot pattering in in the mud I had no idea that they did that until I got to spend a lot of time with them one year and even the scrub jays here at my house I've learned that every fall they will hide acorns in my flower pots (laughs) and (laughs) store them over winter there so I'll get little oak saplings in the spring. So I love watching birds to to know more about them like that, all the little unique things that make them who they are.
0: And I would think in order to be, you know, most artists are pretty good observers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would think that in order to uh, create, uh, you know, likenesses of our images or whatever an artist calls the things they make uh, of, uh, of birds, it really helps to study how they move, how they, uh, you know, the, I would think that that naturally flows into that. Are you uh did you pick up art by you know self taught or was that part of your education?
1: It was self taught in a sense that I started drawing as all kids draw little doodles, but because I loved reading so much from birth my first things I made were books about certain animals. And so I'd self-illustrate all the little drawings in the book and it would just be, you know, computer paper stapled together to make a little book. My mom was an artist and she was a big inspiration to me. And so she already had all the materials I needed and it never went away. That passion persists.
0: Very cool. Is any of your art available for people to look at? Is it just kind of self-kept? Do you have like Instagram or Where, where do artists put their art online? I don't know.
1: That is a very good question. <laughs> I don't know either. Cause I don't okay. I don't sell I don't sell my art. Most of my hobbies are just for personal enjoyment. Someday I would like to have my own website. And that was started once in the past, but then all kinds of stuff happened and we put it on the side burner and it hasn't been picked up again yet. So now that I have a little bit more time, I, I would like to actually have my own website and put up art and photography on there.
0: Cool. Lewis County is a cool county. I uh, I it has I've not birded a lot in Lewis County. I've been out uh oh god. I think it's Highway 12 going east through these fabulous wetlands areas. Oh, tell me if it, that's one of my favorite places. Yes. Uh, what are some of your favorite places in Lewis County to bird?
1: definitely highway 12 out toward the mountains it's so far for a lot of people up north to get to so it's unfortunate but for me it's just a couple miles south and <laughs> out i go um but yes out toward the mountains every little park and pull out viewpoint you can stop at from here to white pass is amazing and i highly recommend it um the east end of rife lake has beautiful views and there's lots of little marshes and ponds just all over the place my favorite spot is right before White Pass. There's, uh what is it, National Forest Road 1284 or something like that. Little teeny awful road, terrible to drive on. You need a car of good clearance and four-wheel drive. At the very end of that road, there's a trail called Sand Lake Trail, number something or other, and it goes up a super steep bank, and it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the inexperienced. But when you get to the summit, it's at a prescribed burn site and there are nesting mountain bluebirds and western bluebirds everywhere there. There's towns and solitaires. There have been different woodpeckers, like three-toed woodpeckers and black-backed woodpeckers up there. And it's the most beautiful place.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And, you know, insider knowledge is the best about birding local places. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that is really cool.
1: There, there is another another trail, if you want to go west instead, the Willapa Hills Trail. It's a state park-owned trail, so it is technically a state park property that spans 60 miles from here to Raymond. Oh my. And it's it was previously kind of an unknown gem. Um, even some of the hotspot labels for it are incorrectly named, and that annoys me to this day. But... Uh, More people have been finding it recently. So it's kind of crowded at the start, but it goes through so many habitats between here and all the way clear out in Raymond. Um, So there are lots of pullouts that you can go to and you can get marshes or fields or old growth forests. So it's fantastic for all kinds of birds there as well.
0: Very cool. When we uh, when we were talking a little bit before before we started recording, you said that your fiance is in Scotland. Have you birded in mm-hmm. Scotland at all? Have you visited? You must
1: have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This year was the first year because COVID happened for so right. long and impacted travel. This year is the first year I was able to go. So in the spring, I spent some time in Scotland, and it was absolutely amazing. So yeah. cool. So
0: I, I many think amazing of green. birds. Is, is, am I right? Is, is everything like this cool green color?
1: It was it was beautiful. It was just coming out of winter and into spring. So the leaves weren't on the trees fully yet, which was great because we were getting some of the spring birds and I could actually see them. I didn't have to worry about peering through all the leaves to try and find anything.
0: Yeah, from my my East Coast uh, experience, I I started birding in New York when I was in the army at West Point, and that that two week or three week window when the migrants are coming through and the leaves aren't on the trees yet, oh my goodness, <laughs> so cool! Central Park is like mob scene of birders in certain areas. Uh, you know, you see 40 birders standing around one tree looking at one Blackburnian warbler. It's just <laughs> like the coolest thing. And you can see it because it's just, you know, there's no, just buds on the trees. So yeah, you're right. That is so a beautiful. cool time of year in in those special areas where the migrants come through before the leaves uh, bud out. Yeah good good memories cool mm-hmm. uh, so besides birding do you have an art obviously photography what what do you do what what are your passions in life other than that or including that I guess
1: <laughs> yeah I have lots of varied passions that I've different amounts of time on uh hobbies for me mostly include different kinds of crafts um like card making for like little birthday cards or holiday cards or whatever for people. I like to make handmade cards. Uh, I used to do a lot of toy making, uh, just sewing fabric and making cute little animals and stuff. Uh, I like I like to make pillows because they're a nice comfy <laughs> present for people. Uh, jewelry, I love making jewelry. I do some sculpture uh, with clay, resin stuff, uh, recording, which I'm sure we'll talk about later um oh what else there's so many things that i do there's like a list
0: of stuff (laughs) okay you are very uh diversely talented it sounds like cool stuff uh you had mentioned uh when you got back to me uh, about things we could talk about that you've traveled a bit more this year than you maybe have in the past tell me about your year and some of the places you've been
1: it has been the most phenomenal year for me um Coming from Texas to Washington, of course, we traveled through the US but it wasn't a birding trip. It was mostly just get our stuff from there to Washington. So most of my time has been in the Pacific Northwest or back home with my family in Texas. This year, for the first time, I actually went on big birding trips to areas that I'd never been to such as Scotland. So. Even at the airport in the Netherlands, I got a lot of species of birds there because the plane taxied for so long down the runway past all these marshes and wetlands and fields. And it's like, I can see lapwings from the windows. It was amazing. Yeah, I birded in Scotland for, uh, oh, I don't remember how long I was there. Oh, a good while. Got all kinds of species, uh, tons of life birds. And then uh, two days after Scotland, I went on my first big birding trip to southern Arizona and spent a lot of time just all throughout Arizona um, with my aunt who was amazing and got it for me as a graduation from college present. And uh, uh, we actually had a guide for, a birding guide for one day. So we got just, I think over a hundred species that day. It was insane. And then directly from Arizona, I went to Texas (laughs) again but this time South Texas. So I could bird, this is all in the spring too. So I was able to bird, yeah, bird, the Texas coast in the spring, which is always good. So even more amazing life birds there. And then back to around the Pacific Northwest and then up to Canada uh, with another friend, Kathleen for, to try and find boreal chickadees. And we succeeded (laughs) Uh, got lots of other good stuff up there. So yeah, I've been traveling more this year than I ever have before in my life and seen so many species. I'm over 430 species so far this year, which Sounds is amazing. Sounds like a amazing. great year. Sounds yeah. like a
0: great year. Good for you. Uh, kind of treating yourself well after finishing college. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, and what's uh, what's coming up for you? What do you see uh, uh, you know, in the next year or two, birding wise and whatever else you want to tell me about?
1: yeah hopefully i would like to find a job that's kind of where i am right now after i've gotten my degree i would like to have a job working in some capacity with birds if possible but i know that that field is very competitive so i'm not sure it'll be able to happen um but hopefully i will find a job very very soon and be able to work with nature in, in whatever way i can uh so that's that's the immediate upcoming thing that i'm focusing on uh I think' I've, I think I've exhausted the birding.
0: For, for <laughs> listeners, who might have some job tips for you. Uh, what, what uh, what's your educational background and and what qualifications do you have?
1: Uh, I now have a bachelor's of Science degree in environmental science. My focus was ecology. Um, so lots I have tons and tons of experience with birds, obviously. Uh, some experience with native plants, butterflies um very limited experience with mammals but a a little bit of hands-on and unfortunately i don't have any experience with fish that's the big thing here and that i'm kicking myself hard for that but but i have a lot of other nature stuff and uh, lots of volunteer work and uh, hands-on knowledge just over over my life
0: well i'm sure the right opportunity will come up for you maybe a listener will uh get back in my uh, comment section on the website or get back. A lot of people know me and mm-hmm. I can get it, get it on to you. Uh, and I'll, I'll put contact information for you in the podcast notes too. So Thank maybe you. a job will come of this. You never know. You never know. Uh, you mentioned that you do a lot of photography and, and sounds like are, you know, pretty facile, pretty f- good at editing uh photographs Mm. i have to say i I take a lot of pictures and you know i can increase the exposure decrease the exposure that's pretty much the end crop those that's pretty (laughs) much what editing means to me what what tools do you use and and how did you get good at that
1: so photography is another very early childhood thing for me i got my first camera when i was four years old it was a pink barbie film camera (laughs) because digital didn't exist back in the early 90s but uh Yeah, so I've been a photographer very seriously since the age of four. I took so many pictures that my parents couldn't afford to develop all that film. And I still have some of my photographs from that time period. When digital stuff first came around when I was in high school, I didn't like it that much because it wasn't great. Uh, But technology advanced very rapidly in the world of cameras. And so I got uh, some of my first really good DSLR cameras when... Well, not not long after college the first time I was in college when I moved up when I moved up here um and so from then on I've, I've been using uh Nikon DSLRs and really big lenses and my photo processing is very minimal because I want to keep my subject as natural as possible as to how I saw it like if I need a really good identification photo of a bird for e then yeah I'll If it was in the black sea of darkness that our forests can be, then yeah, I'll I'll crank up the exposure to try and make it obvious. But other than that, I try and keep it to how I saw it in the wild. So the program I use is just an old Windows software thing that is discontinued and is really easy to process the photos just as minimally as possible.
0: Cool. I know photographers put a lot of work into getting all the stuff right before they take the picture. You know, they want to get the, the sun behind the bird, <laughs> the sun behind them and, you know, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You know, that's the least of things, but and the right backdrop and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, usually I'm lucky if I just get a picture, it's <laughs> usually happy about that. Do you have any photography hints you want to pass out to people? Uh, you know,
1: probably just patience and repetition will get you places with photography because it's a lot like art where you want to be really good at something when you start it you want to see progress but you're not going to it takes a long time it takes a lot that's where
0: i am i think that's where i am i'm not going to
1: (laughs) (laughs) it takes a while like i can look back at my early childhood photos and drawings and laugh (laughs) But also I can see the beauty in the past stuff and see how far you've come. So if you take time to really feel stuff out and get a hang of what you like to do with your pictures, it's like that, that really helps because some people do like to compose things and try and make everything perfect. So spend more time working on that. I don't, I don't care if I get a picture of a bird doing its thing, then I'm very happy. (laughs) Um, So that's my own thing. So my preference is to just sit back and watch. I I don't use binoculars. I use my camera as binoculars. Um, So I'll just watch through the camera and watch the bird doing its thing. And if it's doing something cute, then I'll take a picture. And that's that's what I like. So if you find kind of what you like in photography, try and follow that. And you'll see progression develop over the years.
0: I've seen a lot of uh, young birders bird through a camera. And I have to say... I, I can't do it. It just uh, somehow doesn't work for me. But and I think it's because not that's not how I learned. You know. Anyway, mm-hmm. but good for you. And yeah, uh, I know that you've worked with the Vox Swift Project in Washington. Uh, that yeah, you know, I have friends who who do that uh, in the Tacoma area. Diane Yerkes and mm-hmm. Quinn does that at J- the JBLM uh, chimney. And I've been up to the one up north. I can't remember exactly where it was. But you have one. You have areas you go to near. Your, where Where do you go? and, and how's that been?
1: Uh, it's been amazing. Uh, there's historically there was kind of a gap between J- the JBLM roost and the Portland roost, and that's mm-hmm. a big gap. And I remember one day, uh, just looking out on my balcony, my old roommate and I saw 500 boxes swifts enter a chimney right across from the street from where I lived here in Chehalis, which is the midpoint right. <laughs> basically between those two roosts and submitted it to eBird and Larry Schwitters, the head of the Vox is Happening project, tracked us down and was like, you have to follow these roosts. And ever since then, it's been years, I don't know, six years or so since I've started doing that. I've been following the Swifts. They roost in Chehalis every year, um, but Chehalis has a lot of options for them. Oh. Because it's a lot of old historic downtown stuff with lots of old historic downtown brick chimneys (laughs) and they love those and so so often every year they will switch and split roosts and you know some birds will go that way some birds will go that way most of them will be right here. And I'm trying to keep track of all of them, (laughs) but it has been so much fun and I can't give any good locations on where they roost because they change it all the time.
0: Yeah. But
1: it's it's always somewhere around uh, within a mile radius, usually of, of downtown Chehalis.
0: Very cool. So that that is a happening. Anyone who hasn't had a chance to get out to a swift chimney in uh, in in the in fall migration. It's fall, isn't it? Yeah, fall migration. It, I, I'm sure it's in the spring, too, to some yeah. degree. But yeah. uh, fall migration, it, it's pretty crazy. You wait, you wait, you wait. And you say, oh, they're not coming tonight. Oh, my God. And then... Whew, they just all kind of swirl over the area and just drop in like you know, like they're dying as they go into the chimney. It's like, it <laughs> seems like they don't fly in. They just drop in almost. It's the coolest mm-hmm. thing. Coolest thing. Yeah. So if you get a chance, uh, get a hold of uh, one of the Swift counters and go help them. Not that you'll really be helping probably, but let them show you how they do it when they count the Swifts. It's pretty cool. Uh, and you've also worked with Black Hills Audubon, I know. Uh, what have been your roles there?
1: uh i funnily enough uh since i was a member of national for so long and because i usually keep to myself because i'm shy i didn't know about our local chapter until very recently like 2018 i want to say and i did a program meeting at their annual dinner uh i was one of the speakers for the Voxes swifts mm-hmm. and Shortly after that, they asked me to join the board, and so I I agreed, and I've been on the board for Black Hills Audubon ever since, and currently my main job there is to edit all the articles and photos that go onto our monthly newsletter, The Echo, which has been great fun.
0: Yeah, good. Well, we need to get you involved with Was and help with our newsletter, if you have some spare time. Uh, I'd love to. I'm I'm just... Terming off the WASP board. I've done my four-year term and am and, and leaving that role. But uh, we've kind of struggled a little bit with our newsletter, uh, and we have we have uh, somebody to edit it, and and I've kind of volunteered to help get content together. But we're always looking for new talent, so I will be reaching out to you offline about helping with that. That's a uh, that you know, cool stuff good good uh do you have any you know uh, it sounds like you've gotten around some parts of the united states uh pretty well and what uh birding sites are phenomenon in, in the the continental aba area most uh are like boy that's the next place i really want to go what's on your hope for list
1: oh uh, <laughs> i out of uh a happy passion i would love to go to like the Saxon bog area I feel like that would be super duper fun but out of the annoyed bit of me <laughs> I have decided that east coast warblers as a unit are my nemesis bird right now I mm-hmm. have failed to see the majority of east coast warblers every single year I look for them whenever they're coming up over the gulf I don't know how I've managed this so I I would love to go and see the east coast warbler migration but as that's just the annoyed side of me, but mm-hmm. I would love to go to Saxonburg and places up there as well. Point Pelee is
0: pretty, yeah, you know, Point Pelee is just freaking ridiculous. <laughs> I've been there, I think, three times, and it's just so wonderful. I've heard now you need reservations oh. to get in at certain times. It's so crowded, so it probably isn't the same experience I remember from. I don't even know how many, fifteen, maybe. More years ago, uh, but it is so cool. And then the biggest week of birding, of course, is mm-hmm. uh, uh, fabulous. The, the place I want to go uh, to, I want to go to the New River Festival uh, oh, in West Virginia. It's a oh. New River Festival in West Virginia. It's a smallish festival, but it's supposed to be just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, I don't know. So i my, I'd like to go there some year list. Yeah. I don't know if I'll make it, but we'll see. Hopefully, uh, yeah. But, uh, the, you know, there are so many, but you can go to Central Park in New York. I mean, it it's fabulous. Uh, so there's so many places to go to see warblers and, and no place can you, with high likelihood, get all of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. There's, there's a few
0: of them that, uh, you know, like Swainson's Warbler, you kind of got to go to the mm-hmm. Southeast to get Swainson's Warbler. And there are a few, uh, obviously, Kirk Kirtland's so you got to go to. Yeah get a reservation with the Forest Service and have them go show it to you. I and mean, you have a chance <laughs> at other places. But anyway, warblers are cool. And I think they're hard to identify. For me, something about them, I, other people seem to just get that down cold. For me, it's like they're just little and you see them so many angles. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's an art identifying mm-hmm. warblers to me. But yeah, uh, <laughs> we all have things you're good at. and uh, <laughs> Identifying warblers in a tree when you see the Undertale coverts and the bill <laughs> is not uh, not my uh, top talent for sure. Uh, oh, Rachel, uh, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Uh, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Uh, probably my email. I check my email constantly many times every okay. day, but I'm always away from my phone. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure where it is right
0: now. <laughs> I will, I will put your email in the podcast notes in a way that you won't get spammed, but if some listener wants to find you, they can do that. Perfect. Uh, and, uh, that sounds like a great way. Hey, Rachel, thanks so much for being on the show. Today. I really appreciate it. I hope wish you the best in your job search and in your future in every way. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Bird Banner Podcast with Rachel Hudson. One of the topics we discussed is a Vox Swift survey that's ongoing on the West Coast. You can read all about it at voxhappening.org. I put the link in the, in the, both the blog post I put up associated with this episode and in the podcast notes. It's a pretty fabulous project, and at least some of the sites have times you can go watch. Anyway, thanks for listening. Until next time, good birding, good day.